Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in on a little bit of everything with me, and I am your host, Angelica. This is a podcast that talks about a little bit of everything, so sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. Today, my guest is an author that wrote the book, How Can I Help? And also is a podcaster of the podcast, The Grief Anonymous Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm great, Angelica. It's beautiful and all is right with the world. (laughs) Well, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you because I love having authors and really getting to know their journey of how these books come to life and their process and how do you start writing is always so fascinating when I hear another author's story. Oh, well, thank you. Yes, I, I, I have to say I'm one of those authors who never, ever dreamed of being an author. So I, it just kind of called me and I felt I needed to write this book um, not that I so much wanted to write it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm interested to know, but before we even get started, tell the listeners a bit about yourself. Well, my name is Sherry Dunlevy, and I live in Wheeling, West Virginia. I'm a former television news anchor and a former radio talk show host and also a grieving mother. Uh, my son, would, Brandon, would have been 21 this year. I lost him when he was an infant, when I was still a a television news anchor. And, um, you know, uh, that had totally changed my life, obviously. I have one other son, Trey, who uh, was three years old when Brandon died. And so um, I went back to television for another year, but then I had to retire from that career. Um, Just priorities became very um, clear to me that I only have, you know, one child and I need to spend as much time with him as I possibly can. And I had uh, been in television for, oh, well, at that station in particular, 16 years. So it was just something that I needed to do. Plus the, you know, I realized that when I lost my son, I also lost the ability to compartmentalize the day's news from my real life, which what I mean by that is that you know, we deal with so much bad news in journalism. We see so much, we see it eight hours a day and you, the audience, get it in 30 minute increments on our newscast during the day. So I might see eight hours of content and it's condensed into maybe, you know, 90 minutes for the audience. So we see a lot more than than what they do. And so we're the gatekeepers. So, you know, 16 years of all that negative news compounds and so you you do this thing with your brain where you put it in one little compartment of your brain and that's your work brain and then the rest of your brain just leaves that in the box when you go home to your family well when I when I lost my son Brandon I was unable to do that Um, every story uh, really affected me to where I couldn't put it in that box anymore and it just really truly became impossible for me to do that job any longer 
Well, first of all, sorry to hear about your loss. It's never easy when losing somebody, especially a child. And I, I cannot imagine what you're going through, like what you went through in the beginning and through this journey of yours. But my condolences and I'm, my gosh, like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always speechless when I hear stuff like this, because it's like, how could someone, I know we just virtually meet, but you know, you, you look and sound so kind hearted and, you know, like it breaks my heart. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I, I feel that, you know, I'm 21 years th through my grief journey. Mm -hmm. um, and, and let me tell you, yesterday I had a bad day and I was thinking about my son a lot and tears came even 21 years later, which sometimes still surprises me, but I'm glad um, that that happens because, you know, I think I, although I live a wonderful life and I have many blessings in my life and a lot of good things in my life. Um, and that's what I try to come from that place now to let people who are maybe newly in the process of grieving and let them know, listen, you can still live a good, fulfilled and even joy filled life beyond your grief but it takes a lot of hard work. But it doesn't mean that it disappears. You know, grief comes in waves, and so every once in a while, a wave will get you. Um, but they're not crashing waves like they were at the very beginning, if that makes any sense. No, definitely that makes sense. And it's it's like a roller coaster ride from mm -hmm. everybody's experiences telling me when they lose anybody in their family or even a close friend, it's really mm -hmm. like, you're, you have your moments and um, it's like you've got nobody else around you that could really understand what it feels like to lose that person. Right. Uh, it, like I know I've, I've been around where friends lost best friends and it's like I can never, I cannot picture, I can't manage, it. like even going through that process with them is really tough. And, you know, people say it's easy. Oh, you'll get over it. You're going to be okay. And, you know, everything's going to be fine. But really, it's like, if you haven't gone through that experience, you can't really tell the person like, oh, things are going to be okay. You'll get over it. No, you, you, you can't. And they will resent you for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Um, I do have a philosophy on this, Angelica, and, and, and that's what led me to write my book, actually. Um, when we lost our son, we lost some of our closest friends. Wow. And so you talk about a double, you know, uh, whammy. Wow. And I think, you know, through the years, um, as my son, other son, Trey, got older and I had a little more time to think about this, um, I think that, you know, there were three reasons why people just disappear out of your life. I think, first of all, maybe it hits too close to home. I was having young children, so a lot of my friends were having, you know, young children, and the thought of that happening to them, you know, just paralyzed them in fear. And they just couldn't even talk about it, let alone see me, let alone do anything because it was just so scary for them. So that's the first scenario. The second scenario is that they really wanted to do or say something, but they were so afraid it was going to be the wrong thing that was going to make it worse, that they were going to embarrass themselves or they were going to make us cry. Well, when you're going through that, you're going to cry. So think about this. Would you rather cry with a friend 
or cry alone. And I think that, you know, that support of a friendship is, is much more important. And the third scenario is, is that they truly just have no clue as to what to do or say. They've never lost anyone. They've never known anyone that's lost anyone. It's never really been modeled through their family. So they, they have no idea. So they just ignore it. It's like this big elephant in the room. And if I just don't do anything, then it will go away and I don't have to deal with it. Um, so consequently, those friendships ended. And I kept thinking, if only there was some kind of resource that these people could have, that they could, they could literally look in a book and go, this is what I can do, this is what I can say, then maybe we would still be friends today. Mm-hmm. And so I kept looking for this resource. I don't know whether I was gonna send it to them or, or what I was thinking, but I just kept thinking, what, you know, why isn't there anything out there like this? And this little voice inside of me said, because that's what you're supposed to be doing. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm supp- I, I write news copy, you know, like yeah. I don't write books. Um, but the more I thought about it and the more I talked to people, I realized, you know what? This isn't just death. This is people that go through a divorce and people choose sides and people that have been lifelong friends just desert them. Um, This happens when you go to work and you say, I have breast cancer. And then all of a sudden people are like, whoa, and Mm -hmm. don't say anything, you know, Um, that you lose your job. And people just act like nothing happened and they just stop talking to you. And I realized that a lot, there are a lot of things in life, difficult situations that we all go through that these are awkward situations and awkward conversations. And there are a lot of people that will just ignore it rather than address it. And um, that's when it became clear to me that this was a book that definitely needed to be written. And since uh, I was being called to do it, I just did it kind of like in an interview form. I just asked people who had been divorced, who had lost their jobs, who had been diagnosed with cancer, who had lost their mother or their father or their child or their husband to, to, you know, through death, you know, how did your friends and family support you through this time? What were the things specifically that they did that were so helpful? What were the things that they said that really changed things and helped you heal? Um, What were some of the things that they said that maybe weren't so helpful? And I compiled all that information and I put it in one place. And that was the whole intention is that, you know, if you are one of these three scenarios and and you don't know what to do, pick up this book because it's going to tell you exactly what you can do that will help because these are things that were done and said that helped people get through the other side. So this isn't a psychiatrist telling you, this isn't a doctor or a psychologist or a grief counselor telling you the perfect words to say. These, this is what humankind and friendships and families and love did to get people through the roughest times of their life. And I think those are the true experts. 
It's true. It's true. You're exactly right. Those will be the true experts in how they can share their experiences and you sharing your experiences can help many other people. And this book, I'm so you did this as an interview form by gathering all this information from different people. Yes. And this, it's like you're getting a book that's everything. Like, you know, if you go through a divorce, it's like they say, some people say it's like, you know, having a lost and, you know, mm-hmm. being okay to be separated through the, with this person and being able to deal with alone. And it's like your loss, like you have to kind of learn how to, okay, how, how can I, you know, heal from this? How can I move on from this? And the same right. thing. So this is fantastic. You've kind of got all the major things that normally some people go through life and you put it all together. Right. Yes. And you know, you're right. It's loss. It's not just loss of life. It's loss of a marriage. It's loss of your health. It's loss of your job. It's loss of your freedom because maybe you had to quit your job to stay home and care for an aging parent or a sick child, you know, caregivers. It's all these things, these scenarios, these really tough situations that, that we all will go through at one time or another. And there are just solutions of what you can do and say that can help. It's not, you know, and, and, and let, me, let me preface this with, with this statement. There is no one thing that you can do or say that's going to make it all better. So that should let you off the hook. So you don't have to look for anything that's perfect because you can't make it better. You can only support people and help them feel a little bit better, but you can't remedy the situation. You know, you can't save the marriage. You can't bring the person back from death. You can't cure the cancer. You can't do any of that. But what you can do is love and support someone and be there for them as they are experiencing this. Yeah, that's, that's so true. And, you know, through this writing process of this book, were you able to help heal as well? Because I feel like when someone goes through a process, especially you're putting the story out there and were you able to help yourself heal a little bit through this um, journey of yours? I really, I really do think um, yes. And, and I was very conscientious because the last thing that I wanted this to be was a pointing a finger at people who may have ducked out of someone's life at some time when they were going through a difficult situation and saying, you need to do this. You know, your friends need you. How dare you? You know, I did not want this to be something that was pointing the finger and saying you, you, you failed and you needed to step up. Um, I wanted to do this from a, from a position of love is the people that you love and care about, are hurting the worst they've ever hurt in their life. Don't let them down, you know, be there for them, love them. I always tell them, you know, if you can, you know, one of the things I put in the book is that you have to realize and make this about them, not about you. And one of the examples I give in the book is that I had, um, when I had Brandon, I had him um, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is about Oh, it's an hour's drive from, from where I live in West Virginia. And, um, I had a a C-section. So for the first two weeks, 
um, I was going back and forth, but I couldn't drive. And um, my husband had to go back to work. And so my girlfriend offered to take me to the hospital. And the reason, but she is deathly afraid of hospitals. Like she breaks out in a cold sweat. She gets nervous. She gets shaky. I mean, it's like someone being afraid of snakes or spiders. She's afraid of hospitals in that manner. And um, she, she did this for me, even though she was so afraid. And she even went in and saw my son hooked up to all these machines. And the, I mean, she, she made it about me and her support and love of me instead of about her and her fear and phobia of hospitals. So that's what I want to tell people because sometimes people don't go to, you know, funeral homes because it, it scares them. It freaks them out or hospitals freak them out or, you know, um, it, it's just so uncomfortable for them. I don't want to see them that way. Someone's wasting away from cancer. I don't want to see them that way. This isn't about you. This isn't about you. This is about you stepping out of that fear, stepping out and stepping into love. That's what this is about. And, um, and that's what I want people to know. Um, you are capable of doing anything that you need to do if you truly want to support someone that you love through a, a hard time. And thank you for that because um, it's true. You find it's, oh my gosh, it's like the support system during that time and need and that phobia that you were, you were explaining. It's true. Sometimes people forget what is the main reason of you going to see this person. It's always that excuse and always this like, oh, because of this and because of that. What happens if we just take those barriers away and focus on why you're visiting this person? If they're close to you, they need your, your support and kind of just say, Hey, you know, I'm here if you need anything. And right. you know, I, I've, I've seen people like that. I've heard stories where it's just like, you know, I wasn't feeling well. No one didn't want to visit me because like, Oh, you know, this person said, well, I can't step into a hospital because of the smell, the people connected to wires. Not everybody's connected to a wire. Some people right. are just sitting there and just helping each other out or they're volunteers. They're working. There's so many people working at a hospital and every situation is different. So right. thank you for bringing that up because it's true. We have to just remove that barrier and kind of just, okay, forget let's forget about our phobias here and let's focus of the most important reason why we are here. Right. And listen, I absolutely understand the fear that is attached to that. Um, two weeks before my book came out in 36 hours, I had three scenarios that happened and I think they had to happen on, you know, for a reason. But the first one was that my um, 16 year old niece um, her mother just didn't wake up one morning. So my niece, who's an only child, um, her mother's just gone. And um, later that day, my mom called to tell me that my dad came back from the doctors and they found a spot on his lung and they think that it's terminal lung cancer. And then I'm trying to process all of that and I go into work the next day and one of my coworkers uh, tells me that her daughter was just diagnosed with a uh, chronic lifelong illness wow. and here it is three people that I love wow and I am scared out of my mind 
I mean, I, I kept thinking, I cannot say one thing to my niece that's going to make this better. I, I, I don't want to be, uh, uh, it is going to be so painful to hear her cry and to, 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 you know, uh, be in that pain with her. And, and then I thought, I don't want to talk to my dad. What am I going to say that, you know, like that, is, I, I don't want this to be true. And I, 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 I can't talk to my dad and, and, and my son was just going off to college. So I was so happy with what my son was doing and her daughter, you know, could die. And I'm like, what am I going to, you know, like I was overwhelmed with all of this. And then I thought, <laughs> seriously, I thought, well, you know, there's a book that was just written about this <laughs> that you happen to write. And I had to pull myself back in and say, that's right. I just need to love these people. I just need to call them and tell them, I love you. And I am so sorry that this is happening to you, but I'll be here for you. I'll be here with you. Uh, you know, I, and, and that's really all it took. And once I heard their voice and once they were reassured that they did not have to go this journey alone, you know, the love just, just multiplied. And, and, it, and it dissipated all of that fear because the love took over. And so I think that it had to happen to me so that I can understand from where it comes from in other people who might choose not to show up. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I really appreciate you speaking about experiences because I know it's very hard for a lot of people. and. I wanted to ask every time you, you talk about it, does it get any easier? Um, yes. And um, that's another lesson. You know, we tend to avoid things that make us uncomfortable, right? And no one wants to talk about death and dying and no one wants to talk about cancer. I mean, these are not things that we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the show we saw, you know, the, the, what we're net, what we're binging on Netflix. Um, we'll, we'll talk about anything but this stuff and because it's uncomfortable. But what I found is the more that you're willing to go there, the more that you're willing to be uncomfortable with it, the more normal and comfortable it becomes. I mean, think about this. Uh, not everybody is born, but everybody dies. Everybody dies. And yet we act like nobody dies. We act shocked and surprised anytime somebody dies. And then we, we get caught off guard because we don't know what to say. We'll start talking about it. I mean, it doesn't have to be macabre. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, um, morbid it's a fact of life and like i said you know not every baby is born but every baby dies at some point you know um and we've just got to become comfortable with the uncomfortable and so yes it does it does become more comfortable talking about this but I'm glad that it does because I'm able to reach out to people now without hesitation, without hesitation. I just do. Yeah. And I, you know, 
once again, I really appreciate you sharing all of this and giving us the advice and, you know, really sharing these experiences with myself and my listeners. I'm very grateful because like I said, it's not easy for everyone to talk about it. And where can we find this book? Well, you can, you can find it on Amazon. Um, You know, any, any online book service, you can, you can find it there, but if you want uh, a signed copy and a lot of people do want a signed copy, um, you can go to sherrydunlevy.com and um, order them directly from me and I'll sign a copy for you. A lot of people like to give these, you know, to college students, uh, people that have graduated college and are maybe mm-hmm. going off to somewhere, you know, a- away from home. These situations come up, you know, in, in big offices and your cubicle mates and whatnot. And, yeah. and you know, if you've not experienced this, it it's nice to have. It's just as helpful as a cookbook. Yeah. It really is just as helpful as a cookbook. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Definitely. And of course, to my listeners, everything's going to be in the show notes uh, for you to pick up this book. Now you have a podcast called the, um, if I could pull this up quickly, the grief anonymous. Yes. Now tell us a bit about that. Well, I, um, I, I have to go into a little bit of a longer story with this, yeah. but um, I, I, because I was a, a television news anchor, I've started this movement on social media on Facebook um, where I, I just got so tired of all the politics and then what was it, the, the Super Bowl halftime show and just all this negativity and all the negative news. I always tell everyone I'm a recovering TV news anchor. And so I started this group on Facebook called All Things Awesome. And what it is, is it's a group that is just all the great things that you see on social media, all in one place. So the members can share into the group. They can enjoy, they can go into this group and just scroll and see every, you know, goat on a trampoline, every recipe, every every heartfelt moment that, you know, someone has, has paid it forward, any kind of those kinds of stories that you see on social media are shared into this group. And then I ask the members to share out on their pages so that we can make the world a more awesome place. So part of that page, I started um, interviewing people once a week and I call it all things awesome interviews. And it's ordinary people who have stepped up to live their life in extraordinary ways. So um, one of the people that I interviewed was actually the founder of Grief Anonymous. And her name is Holly Barker. And um, we struck up a friendship. And one day she asked me, she said, you know, our program is really looking for a podcast. And I would love for you to host this podcast. And um, I decided, yes, I would, I would host that podcast for, for her and for this organization. I was very uncomfortable at first when she asked me about that. I have to admit, I mean, if I'm going to be transparent, I, the, the, the world of grief and grieving is not a fun place to be. You know, it really isn't. And because I am such uh, an empath and I can, I can feel people's pain and, and um, it's very challenging for me. Uh, I didn't know if I, I really wanted to take this on. But through meditation and prayer, 
it came to me that I wasn't supposed to really be in the pain of other people's grief. I was supposed to be the light at the end of the tunnel that says, look, you can, you can live this great life. You can live a joy-filled life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a lot of hard work. It's going to take a lot of tears, but it's possible. And so I told her, if I could, if I could come at this podcast from that angle, then I, I would be happy to be the host. So we, we decided to, the, it, it is the, the Grief Anonymous program is set up very similarly to other anonymous programs. You know, there's their steps, the, the 12 step program. This is a, there's 10 tenants to Grief Anonymous. So we spent very much of the first season going over each of the 10 tenants, why they were selected, why they help in healing, why people who are going through grief should be practicing these and, and paying attention to these and how it can, can help them in their healing. Um, so that's what we we're doing for the first season. Then um, what I plan on doing is interviewing thought leaders and people that can help people through their toughest times. Also, people who, who, like me, you know, are a little further on in their grief journey, who have gone on to do wonderful things in the world, you know, on behalf of maybe someone that they lost, or because they became a changed person after the death of someone they loved. Um, so I, I really see this evolving. But, but like I said, you know, this wasn't something that I started. It was something that I was, I would, I was asked if I could spearhead and, um, and I really do enjoy the work because I know that, um, people can, you know, maybe not be able to get out of bed, but they can press play on a podcast and they can listen and maybe heal a little bit more today than they did yesterday. Yeah, and with podcasting, it's become such a a great way to send out that message um, in, in any way. And of course, making somebody laugh and making somebody feel good about their days. And it's fantastic what podcasting can do for a lot of people, especially when you're able to listen on your way to work, on mm -hmm. your, you know, through through your car or, you know, through your headphones. Like there's so many ways that you can listen to podcasts and keep you entertained. It's, it could be educational as well. Right. And, you know, it's fantastic. And I'm glad you are able to use the, the format of a podcast and really help others out there. Yes. I, I, I love it. And, you know, I learned so much and I learned um, a lot of the things that, like one of the tenets in Grief Anonymous is to find a creative outlet for your grief. And I remember, I didn't know that I was doing this at the time, but I remember after I lost my son, um, I just started taking all these classes on how to make wreaths. And I was, I was like this wreath making machine, but I think it was because when I was in the process of, of creating something, I lost track of the fact that I was grieving the death of my son. And mm -hmm. so for a, you know, an hour or two, I didn't, I wasn't sad. I wasn't devastated. And I was also creating something beautiful. And I look back and I go, that's what that was. That's where that desire came from. 
And that's why this is important. So I, I've learned a lot about my grief journey, just learning and, and, and talking with Holly about you know, this program for helping other people. And I think too that I can, she's five years out after losing her husband. I'm 20 years, almost 21. Brandon will be 21 in March. Um, uh, would have been 21. I'm almost 21 years out on, on my grief. And, um, and so, you know, we have different perspectives and I think that's healthy for people too, that they can say, Oh, in five years, I, I, I might, I might actually be able to get on with life because when you're in the throes of grief, you don't think that's ever possible, ever possible. Yes, and it's definitely a journey that you don't know when it's going to get better. You're not going to know what's going to happen. And like we discussed at the beginning, it's that roller coaster ride. You don't know what, mm. how you're going to feel tomorrow. And I feel like for us women, because, you know, we've got hormones and everything, <laughs> it's, you know, it's for me like day to day. It's like today right. I'm great. Tomorrow I may be sad. I may be depressed. I may feel very anxious. And it, it changes because, you know, unfortunately that's how my body is. And it's mm -hmm. like, okay, so what do I do? How do I get past this? And every day it's a roller coaster ride, but you know, I'm really happy that you are, I can just imagine how many people you are helping through their healing process. And like I said, it's amazing that you're sharing this and have you ever thought of doing public speaking or motivational speaking? Yes, and I do. I am a motivator. Well, I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm an inspirational speaker. In fact, I, I call myself Inspirationista. Um, and I try to inspire people to live their lives um, on purpose and with passion and live their lives so that they can make an impact. You know, Angelica, someone gave me a gift uh, when Brandon died. Someone sent me a card in the mail sent my husband and I a card. And my son only lived for 29 days. So, um, you know, he didn't even live a full month. Um, and we knew when I was pregnant that, that, I mean, we spent my whole pregnancy trying to come up with a game plan to save his life. So we knew that it was dire, right? Um, and she said, you are so blessed to, that God chose you to be Brandon's parents. Um, that little boy in 29 days impacted so many people and so many lives. He, he brought more people to their knees in prayer on his behalf than most people would do in their entire lifetime. And what a blessing it is that you got to be his mom and dad. And the gift that she gave me by saying that was that my son accomplished his mission in 29 days. He lived his life with an impact, even though no one met him, no one saw him other than, you know, his close, 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 immediate family. Um, he made a difference in this world. And that made me think if this little boy could do that in 29 days, what am I doing at, I was 38 at the time at age 38. And so I got real serious um, about, 
living my life with purpose and passion and living it to make an impact. And that's what I want to inspire people to do. I want them to step out of the stories that they tell themselves that I'm too old or I'm too fat or I don't, I don't, I'm not uh, educated enough. I don't have a college degree. Um, those are excuses. There are, those are just stories that you tell yourself to keep you from what you were created to become. And so I, I really try to inspire people. I tell people there's a difference between an inspirational speaker and a motivational speaker. Um, you cannot motivate anyone to do anything. Motivation comes from within. But maybe hearing me, uh, I might give you a little nugget that will inspire you to take the first step. So that's why I call myself the Inspirationista. Yeah. And you know what? It's that what you were just telling about your son and, you know, creating that impact. It's crazy how life works and what we are thrown at these challenges and, and allowing us to, you know, the really, the universe is testing us how mm -hmm. we can move on from this. Yep. And, you know, like for you and seeing that, you know, you were given that calling of like, you know what, I need to do something. Let me just put it in the book and let me put it in a podcast as well. It's, it's truly amazing how we're able to take that calling and really put it into action because some of us can't, some of us, you know, can't do anything and feel hopeless and, you know, I'm stuck. What do I do? I'm living this every single day. How could I do this? But you were able to put it into action and it's, it's a beautiful thing. Thank you. But you know what? It didn't happen overnight. No, I had to do a lot of hard work and that's what I want people to know, you know, getting to this place, if you don't do anything, you're never going to get here. So it starts with a decision. The first decision is, am I going to get out of bed today? The second decision is, do I want to live or am I just waiting to die? You know, and there's a difference. If you're going to live, then you have to make some changes and hopefully they will be positive changes. If you want things to be different, then things have to change. And if you're not willing to take the steps to make that change, it's not going to be any different. So I had a decision to make. Am I going to be the woman who lost her child, who could never get any better, who, you know, lived her life in deep sorrow and could never get past this and, you know, ended up in a mental institution or whatever, you know, or was I going to say, okay, this happened to me, but this isn't my life. This isn't going to define me. So how can I let it refine me? How can I let it change me? How can I take the lessons from this to move forward into living a life of meaning? So I don't, I, I made a, I made a conscious choice that, that, you know, Brandon's life and death was Brandon's journey. Brandon's life and death was a part of my journey. It was a chapter in my book. It isn't the whole book because I'm still here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you said it so well, and you know, it's like, you're, you're really inspiring me because you know, when times get tough, 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 you got to find that light somehow and kind of just give you that strength and kind of say, you know what, 
how could I, how could I move on from this? You know, right. cause you know, we, like we always talk about, and I would repeat myself again, we go through roller coaster rides every single mm-hmm. day and, you know, we're all human. We are bound to get upset. We're bound to, you know, be sad, angry, happy, emotional, whatever it is. And, you know, being able to take control of that is what's going to help us, you know, live this life that we're given. Right. And hey, believe you me, I I speak as if I have perfected this, but I have not. Mm -hmm. You know, I I have not because we are human. We're not robots. So we have those feelings. We have those emotions. Sometimes we have those pity parties. Sometimes I want to play the, I lost my child. I have every right to feel X, Y, Z, you know, I won't do it because I know that's like a cop out. But boy, it, it would make life so much easier sometimes, you know, and people would understand for the most part. But that's truly no way to, to live your life. And so it's, it's, it's a practice and it's a challenge. And some days I do it very well. I would say more days than, than not, I do it very well. But there are those days, those moments, those hours that I fail miserably. But, but, you know, then you have to make the decision, I'm going to get back up. I'm not going to stay down. I'm going to get back up. And so that's, that's, I think, the lesson here, Angelica, is when you have that, that oh, I, I, you don't see that light. Um, just get back up. Because, you know, if you're flying in a plane and it's raining on the ground, as soon as you break that cloud barrier, the sky's all blue. So the blue is there. Mm-hmm. And the clouds will clear. You just have to know that. So yeah. get back up. It's true. And, uh, you know, my father, um, you know, he got into an at-work accident in 1996. He had to get, um, um, what's it called, um, a heart valve transplant. Oh. Um, then he also had uh, his liver fail, fail oh. on him recently. But with the heart valve, they couldn't operate him to see what the problem was in his liver because they said that no matter what if we put you put your dad under anesthesia the minimum the bare minimum he's not going to wake up and we've also been given news like it's been almost a year now a year and a half they told us that he wouldn't uh, he only had six months to live because there's no way they're gonna reoperate him again and give him a new one and yada yada a year and a half later, he's still living, so he's beating the odds. But what I've learned is really like he teaches us live yes. in the moment. You know, you're here today, you're gone tomorrow. This guy lives his life like it's his last, and he deserves to. Um, but he has this. He, if anybody, anybody that has talked to him, it's mm-hmm. like are you sure your dad's been through a lot? And I'm like, yes, he has. It's just his model through everything because he's overcome so much, especially with medical where every time there's something, it's like, oh, he's not going to survive. Oh, he's not going to survive. Oh, mm-hmm. it's going to be 50-50. But this man, the way he takes on life and his attitude, that's what helps him get through these moments, get through these hard times, especially with his, you know, medical conditions. And it's like, he's just like, you know what? It happens. It happens guys. That's what he tells us every time we're at the hospital. It's like, you know what? It is what it is. But the next thing you know, 
he's brought him back to life. <laughs> but you he, know what? It's his attitude, right? Exactly. And, and that keeps him going. But you know, he's giving you a gift too. Yeah. He's giving all of you a gift. Yeah. And I'm very sorry that your dad is going through this. But at the same time, this is what I'm talking about. You know, he, he every moment that you spend with him is a treasured moment, right? Yes. And um, every moment of life is, is a treasured moment for him. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is what life is all about, people. Yes. Being there through the good times and being there in the bad times. And even when you're there in the bad times, I'm sure you've had some really good moments with your dad. Of course, all the time, even though sometimes we butt heads because we're exactly alike. <laughs> but I always think about, you know what? Forget it. Why am I fighting over something so dumb? Because we're never going to win because we're both yeah. the same. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just let it go. Move on, Angelica. It's okay. He's going to be right today. Just enjoy the moment. That's all it is. Yes. So, you know, it's it's crazy and hearing your story and everything and i'm just like you know what it's like my dad it's like he's got that attitude that will bring him out through every single situation and trust me there's been moments where it's been like you know what he's not gonna make it and we're rushing we're going crazy where i'm emotionally like drained because you know you've been stuck in a hospital for almost a month and you're just like oh my god here it goes you know you're not mentally stable at this point but then all of a sudden it's like the universe just says you know what We'll give you another life. And this is why I always say he's like a cat with nine lives. He's already used up three. We'll see see what happens. But, you know, it's the positive attitude. And I really, really appreciate you sharing your story and, you know, helping others through your story as well. Because, you know, it's amazing. It's truly amazing what you're doing. Well, Angelica, thank you very much for allowing me to spend time with you and your listeners. And um, I wish you the very best with with the journey that you're going on and going through with your dad. And and I'll send up some prayers for for all you guys that, um, you know, it it is, uh, you have some of the, the happiest, most wonderful moments that you can share together now. For sure, definitely. And I do as much as I can. If he's like, oh, I've never been to this place. And, you know, we've been living in this country for 30 years. I'm like, all right, fine, let's go. <laughs> let's just go. Um, you know, where can the listeners find you again? Well, you can find me on uh, Facebook and uh, LinkedIn at Sherry Dunleavy. And it's S H E R R I E Dunleavy, D U N L E V Y. Uh, my Facebook group is called All Things Awesome with Sherry Dunleavy. And my website is sherrydunleavy.com. So just remember Sherry Dunleavy and you can, you can find all that information. <laughs> well, thank you so much for making it easy. And of course, to all my listeners, it's going to be in the show notes for you. Make sure you check out her podcast, her Facebook, and her LinkedIn account. Sherry, once again, thank you so much um, for being part of the podcast and in this great episode. I really learned a lot and I really thank you for sharing your story. Well, thank you very much for allowing me to share it with you, Angelica. It's honestly, it's an honor and thank you again. And to all my listeners out there, all her information is going to be in the show notes and that's all we have for now. I'm Anthony. 
And I'm Jessica with the Beautiful Feet Podcast. Hey, it's your boy Bromar, host of the Bromar Show. Hello, everyone. It's the Coupon Queen Pin from the CQP Moments Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is your boy Ken, aka the gentleman of the gentleman lifestyle podcast. Hi, this is Stephanie Valente, your local massage therapist. And you're listening to a little bit of everything with Angelica. That's it for now. And thank you for tuning in on another episode of a little bit of everything with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on the podcast platform that you're listening to. Are you enjoying a little bit of everything with me? Then buy me a coffee. Yes, you heard right. Buy me a coffee. All the coffee you buy me will go towards new equipment, a backdrop for my YouTube channel, and continue to keep the podcast ad-free, and obviously to keep going with weekly episodes. So buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash everythingwithange. Once again, it's ko-fi.com slash everythingwithange. That link will be in the show notes for you. And thank you for buying me a coffee and supporting the podcast. Thank you.